0: go. <laughs> Godzilla. Godzilla, welcome to Wonesi. Wonessi. Yay, I'm Amelia. This is Jade. And we talk about monsters every week. Or not monsters, creatures. Yeah, monsters is a really harsh, it's a Masters harsh word. Monsters is prerogative. <laughs> per- pejorative. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's mean. Yeah. <laughs> They're not monsters. Monsters mean. They're just creatures that are unique yes. and have... Some uh, of them are monsters. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, actually, Godzilla, I could consider a monster. Godzilla probably counts as a monster, and we're talking about Godzilla this week. All right, so... All right. We have a listener question. Did we question? actually get a listener question? We did. Well, okay. We got a listener question for my husband. <laughs> you don't have to say that. It was, though. Did he listen to our podcast? He did. Oh, God. Thanks, yeah. John. Okay, so this this question is from John Fink. Um, Should we be telling first and last names? We'll do Twitter handles for people who aren't married to me who send in questions. (laughs) Okay, Okay. but the question is, would you rather find out that your favorite cryptid is real or fake, or would you rather get a glimpse of a random one confirming its existence? So either know for sure about your favorite, or get a glimpse of just a random one. Ooh, that's a good one. hmm I personally... Have you thought about this one already? I have. I pretty easily know which one that I would prefer. I think I would rather catch a glimpse of a random one. Me too. Because otherwise, there's a chance for disappointment on the other end. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I would rather have a positive confirmation of something that's just anything that confirms that we live in a cool place with... Right? ...mysterious things. And you bet I would be telling everybody, would I be getting a picture? Would that be part of the confirmation? Just said glimpse, I think it would probably be, like, out of the corner of your eye, spotting it, probably not documentation. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd still rather have that. Me too. But then I would I would always... like it for myself, and then I w- it would make me more likely to believe in my favorite one, because if that thing exists... Right. Right. Then it's very likely that others do, I totally. guess. But I would just question myself a lot I think if oh. I actually did see it or not or if it was a dream that's true I wouldn't say a lot that doesn't happen to me a lot a lot but it <laughs> has happened where I wasn't sure if it was something that actually was discussed or something that was actually had happened recently. I have dreams that I have conversations with people that's what that, I have. yeah that's, that happened that's to me recently. frustrating <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but that's a good question thanks John yay thanks John okay so yeah if you have a listener question um go ahead and send it in to uh gmail at com, or tweet us at Nessie. and i think i'm going to create a, an instagram yes so that we can start adding some Well, of these people pictures. wouldn't ask us listener questions on an instagram i know though. but i just wanted to bring that up since we were talking about social okay. media first uh, off, back to ne- nessie not nessie back to godzilla jade tell us what godzilla is what is godzilla yes I uh, wrote in here, the my notes here that I have in front of me, uh, Gojira, which is actually, I guess is what they call Godzilla, it's Japanese. Yeah. It's a portmanteau of the Japanese words for gorilla and whale. <laughs> so gorilla in Japanese, and I'm not being offensive in any way here, gorilla in Japanese, and I could be pronouncing this completely wrong, is Gorira. And then whale is Kujira. So, okay, yeah, Go- so Gojira. Gojira, and then mm-hmm. in the Americanized version, Godzilla. Godzilla. But yes, I thought I liked the, also the use of the word portmanteau in there. That was kind of fun to, yes. to say. <laughs> uh, art director Akira Watanabe combined the attributes of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, an Iguanodon, and a Stegosaurus, and an alligator to form a sort of blended chim- chimera which actually I had a recent conversation with some friends about their correct pronunciation of the word chimera. You can say chimera or chimera. I say chimera. Is that totally wrong? I don't think so. I've heard all of of the things. We went to a bar that was also... What are they called? Brewery, kind of. They uh-huh. have their brews, and that's what it was called. But that's the art director, Akira Watanabe, combined those attributes and came up with Godzilla. He's best described as a radioactive dinosaur, more specifically a theropod. And so this is where I get a little scientific okay. in my explanation here. A theropod, theropods are the diverse group of bipedal sericean dinosaurs. So that means, sericean just means that they have the pelvic structure that resembles that of lizards. Okay. So is that like a like a T. Rex and yes. like an apatis, not apatosaurus, not a the allosaurus yeah I think so okay so they're mostly the carnivor- they're mostly carnivorous there are some uh, omnivores and I believe there are some of the herbivores like in the that group too duck billed one was an herbivore right that had the big thing on its head it had like a big are you talking about, like a broad lump and then like a duck mouth. And it was a herbivore, but it walked on two legs. I'm really bad at dinosaurs. I used to be really good at dinosaurs. Is that the Allosaurus or is that no, the. No. Allosaurus is like a smaller version of the T Rex. And mm. it lived at a different time. See, I don't know. Yeah. I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was like five. Really? Yes. And adults thought it was adorable because I was a five year old saying paleontologist. <laughs> <laughs> Cute baby Amy. Okay. But I didn't actually put a lot of. There were a long list of dinosaurs, but I put just. The main ones that people would be familiar with, like mm-hmm. T. Rex and Velociraptor, which is my favorite. Nice, because nice. they're small, feisty, and clever, and clever, just like me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the Spinosaurus, and basically any dino that walked on two legs. Okay, but the, then he's radioactive. Exactly, which and that's the key difference. <laughs> that is the the main difference between dinosaurs and Godzilla is the radioactive. Uh, factor. Yeah. <laughs> the story goes that he's a dino that somehow had been in hibernation slash suspended animation for at least 65 million years and then reawakened and was mutated by exposure to nuclear radiation. Ooh. Most notably during uh, atomic bomb testing. Yes. So that's basically what Godzilla is. Because right, I was going to talk about the origin of the idea of Godzilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and like the character. Hey, that's that. a nice segue from what I just talked about. Okay, so the first appearance and the first conception of Godzilla was for Ishiro Honda's nineteen fifty four film Godzilla or Gojira you in that? Japan, yes. I've even practicing these Japanese pronunciations of names when you were before Out Loud my head. Before Not you, out loud. this podcast. Okay. Oh I'm I like pronouncing things right. Um, okay, so first appearance was in nineteen fifty four in uh, the titular film. Titular and oh i had a note here i was going to talk about the name origin too but you covered that but i also had a note that there's a rumor that they got the idea for the name godzilla because that combination of gorilla and whale was a nickname for this really really big stagehand i actually read that, that too at Toho Studio. it may or may not be true but it like ouch if so yes <laughs> i don't think i'd want that to be my nickname gorilla whale <laughs> no not the best nickname <laughs> So it was made for the movie. I, I was kind of wondering that when I was watching the original one, if it was like an existing concept, but it was not like an ancient myth or anything, but it was conceived as a metaphor for nuclear weapons. 1954, so obviously soon after, um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and also it was like, the filming started a couple of months after the Lucky Dragon 5 incident, which, do you know about that? because I did not know about that. I don't think so. Okay, it's pretty interesting. So it was during the U.S. testing of the hydrogen bomb at Bikini Atoll. So they were testing it. They gave everybody in the surroundings a, like, danger zone to stay out of while they were testing it, but they, like, really whiffed it on the radius of it. So Lucky Dragon 5 was a fishing boat that was outside of the radius that they gave them, but ended up being inside the radius of the fallout from the blast and so they were exposed to the ash that was falling from the um nuclear testing the fallout <laughs> I'd be so, so pissed, pissed if I was on that boat and no I kidding. started seeing all that and yeah, I was like, really wait, they told us. Well, they didn't know what it was here. from, really, cuz they they were like scooping up this ash into like bags with their bare hands cuz they were like, oh, let's this is so weird. I'm going to collect some of this. And one of one of the guys said that he like licked it to see what it tastes like. Like so they didn't wow. know what it was and they <laughs> Why would you do that? Well they came back oh, and they testing started bombs getting like your a... <laughs> Let me lick this ash that falls into my arm. <laughs> exactly. But they came back and they got really, really sick and they were hospitalized. I think the longest hospitalization was like a year. Ugh and that they Because they all had acute radiation sickness. Which is like radiation exposure. Um, you can either get if you're you're exposed to like a low level for a long period of time, that's what'll cause like cancer and stuff but if you get exposed to a large amount of radiation in a short period of time, you'll get this acute radiation sickness, crazy blistering all over your skin and a bunch of, like, different problems. It's really not great. (laughs) You can't see my face, but I'm scrunching it. Yes. You look displeased. Yeah, that's really sad. (laughs) Yeah, but, well, luckily, most of them lived. So there were 23 crew members. Um, Only one of them died. Uh, He had some existing complications. Oh, it wasn't five people that lived uh, out of the Lucky Dragon? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The actual ship was Lucky Dragon 5, so I guess there were... It It wasn't It was number five out of the Lucky Dragons. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I see. Uh, But yeah, so that was Aikichi Kubayama. He died, and he's considered the first victim of the hydrogen bomb. Wow. Because, yeah. And it caused a big panic in Japan at the time, because after they calculated that danger zone after the fact... When they knew how big the fallout actually was it was found that like a hundred fishing boats had been in that area and so they hadn't been affected in the way that the lucky dragon five had been where they got sick but they had caught a bunch of tuna that day and brought it back and started selling it and so there was a big panic in japan that there was all this contaminated tuna that everyone was eating oh wow yeah so it caused a big scare and it really kind of re-energized the anti-nuclear movement in japan so, that happened just, like, a few months before they started filming, and they actually mentioned it, I noticed, in the original movie, because um, I watched, for some background, I watched the original 1954 movie yesterday, and then I watched the 2004 Gareth Edwards American one today, so. Yeah, and I just watched some random one that happened to be on TV. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, very prepared. <laughs> yes. What was I... Okay. You had finished talking about the Lucky Dragon 5. Okay, so... So yeah, that was kind of the idea behind Godzilla, was that Ishiro Honda wanted a metaphor for nuclear weapons. And you could really tell um, when I was watching the original one, that theme of it was very, very obvious that it, it was Godzilla was a metaphor for the nuclear bomb. Because they definitely did mention, like, there was a lady on a train that was like, I barely escaped at uh, Hiroshima, now this. And huh. somebody mentioned the contaminated tuna, this is all crazy. And the monster was, like, radioactive, and everybody was getting, like, tested after attacks to see if they had been exposed and stuff. Wow. So, yeah. I was reading an article that this guy had the ability to watch the original 1954 movie not I guess there was one that was remastered in 2004 but he was saying that it was kind of a like beautifully sad movie and i think it was sad there is a lot of i think there are like 30 of them total i think that they've made it into there's some humor and there's some weird... yeah it's like a fun monster like yeah. oh destruction but i did really enjoy learning about the fact that it had a lot to do with with world war 2 and the the rise of the radioactive and i keep saying radioactive but i guess it just nuclear the nuclear era yeah yeah (laughs) Which, I had to be insane. Yeah, it was crazy, and And to think about I mean, it had only been, what, eight years? Yeah. Since, yeah, and so... Or And actually the movie was, nine years, yeah, the movie was actually pretty poorly received in Japan at the time that it was released, because everybody pretty much agreed, like, too soon. (laughs) Because, and uh, a lot of critics were saying it was, like, exploitative of all the destruction that japan had experienced yeah, during world I, war Two. i bet because yeah because that kind of grew on people over the years you also have to think about the fact that all of this these side effects were very new the fact that yes. something that didn't directly affect you in a way like an explosion would but you could still have illness or deformities or can't like all of these things that yeah. could happen that we still don't even know the full extent of what radioactive uh <laughs> radioactivity <laughs> can do. Yeah, we know more, I think, with, you know, Chernobyl and all that. Yeah, but. I made a note here, because I didn't... Oh, yeah, okay, so Hibakusha... Hibakusha? Those were That was the name for the survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and they were actually stigmatized, because people weren't sure... As you said, we didn't know about... Like radiation exposure and the long-term effects of it or anything, and people were like, well, what if this is contagious Like a long time afterwards? And so people wouldn't spend time with these people because they were afraid that the radiation sickness stuff would be contagious. And so the lucky dra- dragon... Pi- I really can't talk. was so that the Lucky Dragon 5 people, after the fact, had to, like, move to different parts of Japan so that people wouldn't know that they'd been contaminated by radiation because... That's so sad. Yeah. It would be hard to, like, Dang, get this jobs got, and stuff. this got... This got real. I know. No, it really was. I was surprised when I watched it that it was a very serious movie, and it definitely reflected the time that it was made in. Like, there were... Like, there were scenes of, you know, a guy in a rubber suit stomping on a city, and... <laughs> That was kind of funny, but then the in the aftermath, how they had all the like nurses responding, and the scenes of like a bunch of wounded people, and like there was a there was a scene where there was this like little tiny little boy, and somebody was scanning him with a Geiger counter, and then Aww. just like looked over to the person they were with and like shook their head. No. And I was like, oh gosh. And it was really, it was very real, and you could tell, like, that, I mean, they were making that from a place of, like, this is a thing that happened, and we know exactly what this looks like in the aftermath of a radioactive event. Do you think it is a movie that should be shown in schools? You know what? Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's entertaining enough, I think. Yeah, I feel like that actually would be. You know it should be interesting. Yeah, it was it was very interesting looking at it from that lens, and I had done a little bit of research about like the time period and the all that before I watched it, which I was glad that I did because it, it helped was, give it yeah, some context. Definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, it definitely it made me cry a couple times, and oh, that might no. be because I'm like hormonally compromised. But yeah. <laughs> okay, I had the same stuff as you about character design. Oh, I was gonna add that the skin texture. Of Godzilla with the scales was actually inspired by um, keloid scars that were seen on survivors of nuclear bombs. Really? I thought was interesting. That is yeah. really interesting. So that's another thing that like explicitly it was supposed to be nuclear bomb symbolism. So yeah, originally it was conceived as kind of a very serious metaphor for nuclear attacks, but over the years it kind of shifted when it was removed from that immediate context and it did become less serious. And kind of more aimed towards kids, and Godzilla was portrayed sometimes as, like, a protector of humanity a little bit, or just kind of the lesser of two evils when it's, like, fighting another monster, or sometimes just, like, straight up a good guy. It's really Um, come out of, it's come a long way. And they made 29 total from the Toho Studio in Japan that makes the Japanese movies, and then three Hollywood movies. So there have been many iterations of Godzilla, and they all kind of are a little bit different. So it's changed a lot over the years. On top of nuclear war, it's been used to symbolize uh, Japan's forgetfulness of its own history, or natural disasters, or, or Wikipedia said, or just the human condition. (laughs) Huh? Which I found interesting. And it's kind of interesting. It's very broad. (laughs) Godzilla really just speaks to the human condition. (laughs) Well, okay. The Wikipedia article had some really some nice sentiments. I think about Godzilla. But yeah, so that's uh, kind of where Godzilla came from, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. It's so serious and, like, big deal, but now it's a fun monster that destroys cities. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoy it. But and yeah, even more so, I think I appreciate it now that I know a little bit of the history and where he yes, came from. It makes it a lot more interesting, I would say. Do you want Definitely. me to talk a little bit more about the physical, his physical attributes? Yes. Or its physical attributes? Oh, oh, I was also going to say when I was watching the old movie, I heard them say kaiju a couple of times. Yeah. Which delighted me because I like Pacific Rim. And then I looked it up and kaiju just means strange beast. Yeah. Kaiju just strange means- Strange beast. So they don't know, it necessarily doesn't apply to a specific animal. Yeah. And the captions just uh, translated it as monster, but I like strange beasts better. Couldn't pick out a lot of words, obviously. I don't speak Japanese, but I definitely heard a couple people, kaiju. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) That one's, we know that one. I love Pacific Rim. We'll have to do that at some point. (laughs) Okay, for sure. I have never seen it, so. Talk to me about biology. Well, first (laughs) I'll talk a little bit about the physical attributes. Okay. And that does tie in a lot to the biology, because uh, biology does not make any sense. (laughs) <laughs> so I, we did touch on this a little bit. That Godzilla is a giant bipedal mutant dinosaur. With uh, he does have rough, bumpy scales. Is he a mutant dinosaur? That's interesting. A mutant because of the radioactive level oh, okay. and the fact that he is he can't be traced back to any specific. That makes historic... sense. So if he's radioactive and he mutated, exactly. Um, okay. He has rough, bumpy scales, and throughout all the movies, they've changed color. So in the original movie, they were brown, and then various shades of green, and then almost black. In the more recent movies, he's been very dark. And he's got a long, powerful tail and jagged blue or dark purple dorsal fins. I think of Raptar from the Rugrats. and. were you the one telling you you didn't watch it? No, nope. <laughs> it blows my mind that there are so many of my friends whose parents wouldn't let them watch. We didn't that. have cable. That's what I think of when I think of his spiny. Uh, I really like his spines. I think that was a very good design choice. Yeah, how they there's like a big group of them in the middle uh-huh. of his back. Yeah, spiky. it's like serrated, and I like it looks really cool when he's swimming,
1: or oh, it yeah. I guess
0: when it's swimming, but because it, it like those like a shark dorsal fin just like break the water. Yeah, except yeah. it's multiple little <laughs> uh-huh. spines. So as far as his size, he's grown in the past 60 years. I did notice that between watching the first one and... The recent one. Yeah, I read something. <laughs> he now. got way bigger. So he's anywhere from originally a hundred feet tall. More of the recent movies have made him much larger, as tall as 389 feet. Ooh. So that's between 30 and 40 sto- uh, 30 and 40 stories high. That's very large. I that's saw huge. somewhere that it said that Godzilla basically just grew with the Tokyo skyline, so that it would always look like it was as big as the biggest building in Tokyo. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so with those heights, he can range anywhere from 20,000 tons. And I did see something that said 164,000 tons, what? which is insanely huge. And so That's that would so give big. him like huge bone density, or it would give him some kind of insane mass. But I'd say, average, what I was reading was about 90,000 tons, which is still ginormous. Very big. Uh, but for comparison, the heaviest dinosaur, which is the 100 ton Argentinosaurus. I'm guessing that was discovered in Argentina. That's a good, fair guess. (laughs) I'd bet on it. That dinosaur stood 70 feet tall, was 115 feet long, and had four limbs. So it didn't walk on two feet, it walked on four limbs, and that's how it was able to distribute, like, its weight. That's, like, a real thing, and that's very big. 100 tons. I don't like that that existed. (laughs) I don't either. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, though. (laughs) If we were to talk a little bit about... I guess what he would eat, he would need to ingest something like 215 million calories a day. <laughs> so consider this. A single human body might provide about 110,000 calories. So that means that Godzilla would have to eat about twelve hundred, sorry, 2,000 of us a day just to keep the weight on. <laughs> so 2, we have to eat about 2,000 calories. Right. Godzilla has to eat about 2,000 humans. Exactly. So just think about that. Doesn't he eat nuclear radiation, though? I don't think he eats it. I think he just survives on it. I don't think he... I think it just is what keeps him going. Apparently, its stomach has mutated into a new organ called the plasma gland. Plasma gland? Okay. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a stomach, he has a plasma gland. Uh, The radioactive particles rise from the plasma gland to be expelled via the mouth during combat. And excess radioactivity is also passed in the dorsal scutes. Oh, that's a great word for spines. (laughs) Yes, but scutes is just like another word for like the big plates. So Scutes. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) It's so cute. Okay, so that's what it is when he's getting ready to do his big boss move. Yeah. And his fins light up before he does the nuclear breath. Yes, and they glow really bright, and then all of a sudden it's sonic- because it's of his so mouth. much that it can't be contained to a single blast yes okay exactly but it starts off in his plasma gland nice <laughs> and uh, those radioactive particles like i said build up here and then scutes fl- glow green or white or blue or whatever color depending on the director's preference exactly <laughs> and then shoot out of his mouth in a fiery blast thanks to its plasma gland Godzilla continually generates new radioactivity as a source of power. So then every time he has any extra or excess, uh, it's discharged via the scutes and then a duct leading to the mouth. So it basically just gets regenerated in his stomach, and then whenever he's got too much of it, then he can expel it and use that as a weapon. This also means that Godzilla doesn't need to eat, and that's a really good thing because, again, like we discussed, he'd have to eat 2,000 people yes, a day. that so would be great. Only is that good for him and having to maintain body weight. It's good for us not having it's to be the us. source of the body weight. <laughs> um, there are other speculations on Godzilla's biology, including cell structure. Um, but I'll, most articles, and actually I read two articles that were like this, where they're like, but this is really nerdy, so we're not going to really <laughs> get into more detail about it. But there is a mysterious substance in a part of his, it within his cells called regenerator g1 and that allows him to regenerate and what this specific article said is that the gener- regenerative abilities are unparalleled nice. meaning that and i, I don't know if you, if you if they really even show it but anytime he's ever attacked or ever hurt or ever injured you don't actually really see the injury yeah. it doesn't show any regeneration it's just like it doesn't affect him at he all he just kind of comes back later yeah in the recent movie he seemed like he was out for the count twice and then got up and was fine. So I guess that's what that was. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, male or female, mostly gender neutral. In all the movies, it's referred to as it. We yes. say he a lot, and I think that a lot of times... It's very American. I think we have to put a he on <laughs> anthropomorphize it. anthropomorphize everything and yeah. gender it. Uh, and then as far as, like, his energy, um, intake and, I guess, dispelled because of his metabolism, because he's such a large creature. If he were to be real, he would have to, his metabolism would create so much heat that his body doesn't have enough surface area to actually expel that heat. But there are, there are some scientific articles, quotation marks, (laughs) that talks about the scoots that stick out of his back or the spines. And all of his, uh, all of his scales that create a little bit more surface area and through his tail and things like that that can expel so like, some of that uh, heat energy. He'd have to have super thick bones and super strong tendons in order for him, hit for them to, to not, move. like, <laughs> explode under extreme pressure. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what something said. If, if you've got that much weight on that, on his side, he's just got so much mass, or wouldn't, being on two feet like that uh-huh. has so much mass that his bone structure wouldn't be able to support it just collapse yeah and then on top of that he'd have to have an enormous heart in order for it to even have enough pressure to push the blood through every bit of his body and to carry that blood all through his body Uh, and they, I read an article too saying basically if he fell, all of his organs would explode (laughs) because they would just, there'd be so much pressure and pressure build up and it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work biologically. So that's how you defeat Godzilla is you just like cow tipping style. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I also wanted to mention that some of the research on the dinosaur family tree is that he's got like four fingers on his toes and he's got like a wider head and that's how they know what kind of dinosaur he might belong to. Oh, okay. Uh, and even though he's got the spines and no ther- none of the theropods really have, well there are a couple that have spines but not like his. It's so. a style choice. It is a style <laughs> choice. I think it's kind of like he just decided to grow them out and that's how he was going to wear his hair and, <laughs> and then he Mohawk. <laughs> well, he went through his rebellious teen stage and didn't really come out of it very well. Mm-hmm. So. He's a weird uncle. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh and then a lifespan I read somewhere was about 2,000 years old. What? Or 2,000 years long. Nice. Uh, And that's taking into consideration him not being killed. Yeah. There are for sure multiple Godzillas. Yes. Yes. Because he does get killed in a lot of the movies. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) But a Godzilla always comes back. Yes, exactly. Which is kind of interesting considering the fact that the first one comes because he was uh, reawakened by... Nuclear testing and atomic bomb testing and all of that. I guess they're just, like, all in. Because the theory was that he was in, like, a sealed cavern deep underneath the sea. And the H-bomb testing, like, opened his cavern and he swam out. And so I guess they're just in a bunch of caves underground. That makes sense, then. Yeah. They're all reawakened. They're all reawakened every once in a while. Got it. (laughs) Makes sense. With (laughs) bomby alarm clocks. (laughs) That clears up. Any kind of doubt that I might have. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I've got the movie fun facts. I, I have bu- so funny. much crap in my notes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have as much. I have a lot. <laughs> there were a lot of movies. There I was were thinking a lot about of that, movies. And I was thinking, dang, Amelia's going to have a lot to like talk about. I like behind-the-scenes movie stuff, too. So this is, like, right up my alley. But, so instead of doing, because I usually do the Beast of the Week just as it appears in pop culture, but that's kind of obvious for Godzilla. Right. Because it's movies. I really wanted to know some more of the behind-the-scenes stuff about, like, the suit and all of that. Oh, I got stuff about the I suit. that you did. <laughs> the suit is crazy. We'll skip right to that, because that is really kind of the best part. Okay, so the original suit weighed over 220 pounds. That is insane. Which is 100 kilograms, which is insane. <laughs> And the actor could only stay in it for three minutes before passing out. Three minutes? Three minutes. Would they film for, like, in three-minute increments and he would pass out every time? I don't think he would pass out every time, but they had to do, like, yeah, like, little three-minute shots and then get him out of the suit and, like, get him some water and take oh, a break no. and then go back in the suit and do it again. And he lost 20 pounds during the production of the original movie. Because he was just burning so many calories just yeah. being in it? Oh my gosh! It sounds absolutely. Miserable. All right, hold on though. Back up. <laughs> get me a Godzilla suit. <laughs> well, they made a new one for every single movie, so there probably are some like yes. lying around. New fitness, new fitness trend. Yes. Godzilla ing <laughs> or God, Godzilla suiting. Rampaging. Art is what we call it. Don't steal that idea. I'm gonna. <laughs> you gotta get two. I'm gonna, gonna Kickstarter that. <laughs> build a cardboard city. In your backyard and just stomp around on it for make three little, minutes. Make little stegosaurus spikes for your dog. Put your dog in it. <laughs> yes. I want to do this now. Uh, but yeah, so they did make new suits for each movie up until 1984, and they were handmade. Um, so each iteration of the character yeah. in the earlier movies looks a little bit different. So it'll have, like, different ears or different, like, skin texture or different number of toes Wait, on its little ears. ears? Yeah, it'll have little ears sometimes. <sighs> That's so cute! Uh Wait, what are they made out of? Um, It was like a steel and bamboo frame. Ooh, bamboo. For the, yeah, for lightweight, I guess it was just smart. And then... But not the steel part, that's the heavy part. Yeah, well, I guess that was for the, like, stronger structural Ah, elements. But, yeah. And then they covered that with foam cushions, basically. Sculpted into the shape, and then painted latex over all of it. And then, like, texturized it. Wow. Yeah, which sounds... Very difficult. (laughs) And they did a lot of those camera (laughs) tricks, too, just to make him look large. Yeah. And luckily, they did have a just bottom half suit and a just top half suit that they could do for certain shots um, so that he didn't have to wear the entire suit that made him pass out in three minutes, which I'm sure they weren't comfortable, but it's a little bit better. Oh, man. I would have think they would have had, like, more actors or a different actor or they were paying him really well. I hope they were paying him really well. It was... Let's see. I've got his name somewhere. Okay, so the original Godzilla actor was Haruo Nakajima, He was a black belt in judo, and he choreographed all of his battle sequences, Um, and he actually was Godzilla until 1972. Hmm. So, 1954 to 1972. So he really enjoyed his job then. Apparently, which seems just incredible. (laughs) Well, you think about in Star Wars how they had really uncomfortable suits for R2-D2 and C-3PO. That's true. Anthony Daniels was famously very uncomfortable and they were in the <laughs> desert gosh yeah in tunisia yeah in like 100 degree heat and all that sand that was getting up all those crevices Whew. sounds terrible suit actors my hat is off to you mm-hmm. my goodness mm-hmm. seriously seriously <laughs> but they, they really like their jobs Mm-hmm. i guess it is rewarding must be to bring joy to all the children of the world maybe and they adults just maybe also. they just wanted a quick weight loss option and <laughs> <laughs> keeping them trim uh, okay, so, up until 1984, they made them by hand, and then after 84, they had some, like, automation stuff that made it easier to make, but the suits actually started getting heavier and hotter, because they added animatronics to it. Right, but they were, like, way cooler then. Yeah, but it says the actor from the 1984 movie, Pachiro Satsuma, suffered oxygen deprivation. No big almost drowned. Not a big deal. Got electrical shocks, Eh. multiple concussions, (laughs) and severe lacerations to the legs. That poor guy. All minor. No big deal. (laughs) Really does not sound like a fun job. Um, (laughs) But luckily he had a tag team partner because that 1984 movie also used for some scenes a 16-foot robotic Godzilla, which they named Cybot. Oh, cute! Yeah. <laughs> Cybot, though, really. So they used him for close-ups because the like face could move and make expressions. I feel like they could have come up with like a punnier name for Cybot. Than yeah, Cybot, Cybot sounds very Doctor Who. Oh, and the 1994 suit was the first to include an air duct, which like yeah. <laughs> Did it take that long for them to think <laughs> right? About? Put an air duct in there, people. Dang. So, 1994... Well, it was a new was guy that happy. was acting in the suit, right? Yeah, probably. And he was so, like, I demand an air duct. Exactly. And they were like, why didn't we think of this? <laughs> or they were like, ugh, our last actor wasn't as high-maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> what a drama queen. Okay, so 1998 was when they first started using, like, mocap um, and CGI for some of the scenes of Godzilla. But they still used a little bit of Dudes in Suits.
1: And then <laughs> Dudes in
0: Suits. <laughs> dudes in Suits is the technical term. And then 2014... Um, the Gareth Edwards one was the first entirely CGI Godzilla. And to animate that Godzilla, they studied the movements of bears, Komodo dragons, lizards, lions, and wolves. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. And watching that movie, that was actually done very well. I thought that they did a good job of conveying, like, heaviness of Godzilla and, like, how it would move. Mm-hmm. It was very lumbering. His tail was cool. Um, And then the 2016 Shin Godzilla, which was another Japanese one, that was mostly CGI too. So, (laughs) luckily it seems like people don't have to torture themselves in suits anymore (laughs) for the sake of Godzilla movies. So, Godzilla has appeared in video games, books, comic books, TV shows, and 29 Toho films and 3 Hollywood films. So basically every media out there. Yes. Okay. Godzilla is the monster. It's kind of a big deal. Oh, and... (laughs) Okay, so last episode, when we were talking about Godzilla, I was saying that the roar was the cat purring...
1: Yes, was I way, have that in
0: mind, too. I was extremely wrong about that. You were kind of <laughs> right, because you did talk about it slowing down. Did no, I was, the thing I was thinking of was Kylo Ren's force sound. That was the thing that was the kitten. Oh, that makes which sense. Which is also funny. That makes more sense. I can hear that for sure. Yeah. Um, but did you put in your onomatopoeia in here for what the sound was? No, what? How it's supposed to be a screonk? Are you about to talk about the, are you about to talk about the roar? Yeah, I was gonna talk about the roar. young okay. and, With and I'm like gonna, eight e's. Yeah, <laughs> eight e's, and I love that because the roar is one of my favorite parts about Godzilla. I it's love really the distinctive sound. sounding. It's weird. It, and it's like high pitched more so than you would think. Yeah, and it just sounds so. Like, when you're in the theaters and you are listening to it on those giant surround sound speakers, it just sounds so cool. I just love the way it sounds. It's very scary sounding. And I guess, did it sound that way in the original film, too? Was it very much so that same sound? Uh Uh-huh. I love it. Well, okay, I'll let you tell about what it is. But yeah, it was created by the composer of the soundtrack. So he coated a glove with pine tar resin and rubbed it on a contrabass... Which is a, a double Yeah, it's base. like a big, yeah. It's a double, it's the stand-up kind that you're like, boom boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like on. <laughs> <like Han>. Yeah. <laughs> boom boom, boom. But did you write about, talk about the last part about the, the sound? I don't the think so. What else was... This is what, I really liked this part okay. of it. The, kind of going back to what the sound was made out of. The newer films, they won't, say what they used to make the sound of the mm-hmm. roar. Yeah, it's like a secret now. Yes. Uh, but one of the sound editors described the two syllables of the roar having two separate emotional reactions. So the first syllable expressed fury, and the second okay. the second syllable of the roar was to convey the character's soul, which I think is really nice. Ah, <laughs> Right? <laughs> okay. And if you think about it, and I started thinking about hearing it. And it does have two syllables. Screeonk. Exactly. (laughs) And it just is so... I don't know, and then you think about, like, this poor creature, Mm. the fury, the rage of having to be reawoken after so many years, and nuclear testing, and the bombs, and the anger, and then people just trying to kill you right away, but all you are is just waking up from a nap, and I don't blame him for being angry, and then... Oh my gosh, if I think about Godzilla (laughs) as just having being, like, really rudely awakened in the middle of trying to sleep, I can totally understand all the destruction. (laughs) Me too. I would raise a village if I. Got I take a fifteen-minute nap, and I wake up. I am just mean for at oh, least yeah. thirty minutes until I'm fully woken up. Naps uh, ruin me. But then you know, then the second part, the character's soul. That I imagine he's in some kind of deep emotional internal turmoil, some pain about noble his creature. existence and what his existence.
1: He's it's having a human condition. Having
0: an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Godzilla. <laughs> Poor Godzilla. <laughs> okay, so that was some behind-the-scenes stuff, which I adore. Oh, Godzilla has received multiple awards and honors. Really? So, uh, it received an M- MTV Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> in 1996. <laughs> um, and Godzilla got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What? In 2004, did they put a footprint on it? They didn't. They really should have. They should have put like part of a toe. That would have been awesome. (laughs) It wouldn't fit. Uh, fit. But yeah, that was for its 50th anniversary, which would have been 2004. Yeah, 2004. Okay, I love this. In 2015, Godzilla was named an official cultural ambassador of uh, the central Shinjuku ward of Tokyo, which was destroyed by Godzilla in three movies. Is that an award that they give to, like, people? Like, actual people? I don't know. It was supposed to promote tourism, which, like, I want to go there now, so... Good job. Because of Godzilla? Good job, Shinjuku. Sure. But, you know, I... Because they named him an official cultural ambassador, (laughs) and wait, no, the mayor they had like a ceremony and the mayor presented a certificate of residency to an actor in a Godzilla suit and but the act, they couldn't grab it because <laughs> of this stu- <laughs> and that's so hilarious to me that is so good <laughs> just like rur, rur. <laughs> Uh okay commercials Godzilla's appeared in a Nike commercial where it lost a basketball game to Charles Barkley How recent was that? I feel like I I don't know. It didn't say... um, I love Charles Barkley. But it sounds amazing. I would guess it was when he was still playing, but... Okay, this is quite a gem. The commercial was adapted into a comic book. That specific commercial? That specific commercial where he plays basketball (laughs) with Charles Barkley was adapted into a comic book. I need that comic book. (laughs) And then a lot of people um, mistakenly believe that Godzilla's in the public domain because it's so old... But it's actually still owned by Toho, and they've had to do a lot of, like, work protecting their copyright. so, like, Subway used Godzilla in a $5 foot-long commercial without permission. I think I remember that. Yeah, got sued for it. You would think that a company as big as Subway would have double-checked. Right? Yeah, that seems, that's That's commercial-making 101. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's on them. And then there was some car brand uh, made a commercial where they were watching Godzilla on the, like, screens that they have in cars now. Oh, And they got sued for that, too. (laughs) So don't use Godzilla in your thing. Um, Okay, and it also, Godzilla has influenced the scientific community, which I always love. So, um, Kenneth Carpenter is a paleontologist and a huge Godzilla fan. And I'm guessing he probably wrote some of the stuff that you were talking about, because it said he wrote a speculative article about Godzilla's biology and classified it as, well, he classified it as a ceratosaur, which I guess is different from what you were saying. No, it's it's... So I was saying a ceratian, maybe or a ceratosaur. Wait, I don't are, know. how... Are you saying? Are you? Is it spelled? It's spelled like that. Oh, yeah. I think I did read that article. Yeah, and it was saying that he, it was because of its like white head and its and toes, his wife, yeah, things like that. So that's probably who we were talking about. But he also um, he named a genus of. I don't know how to pronounce this at all. The one that's underlined in red, as though it's not a word because it doesn't look like a word. Solifid? Uh, Solificid? Solificid? Sure. Solificid. A A dinosaur. But he named a whole genus of that um, Gojirasaurus. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Gojirasaurus. So that is an official thing. And then there's a Dacosaurus, which is an extinct marine... Excuse me? Dacosaurus? <laughs> or Dacosaurus. It sounded like he said Dacosaurus. Oh. <laughs> <first>. <laughs> it's not a Dacosaurus. Dacosaurus <laughs> is an extinct marine crocodile mm-hmm. from the Jurassic period, and it's nicknamed Godzilla. In the paleontological community. Gotcha. Very cool. So that's what I had for fun facts and also cultural crossovers of Godzilla. Awesome. <laughs> Is this the last part? Is just. Oh, no, second to last. So basically, just in general, a summarization of all of Godzilla's abilities. Yes. So he's got the nuclear breath. I saw it called atomic breath. Causes destruction. Yes, and <laughs> his regeneration and general imperviousness to all kinds of attacks. Basically, mm-hmm. he's got immunity to any kind of weaponry. Basically, and yes. any kind of attack. Doesn't eat anything, but he thrives off of nuclear radioactivity. Radioactive. What is it? Radioactive energy. Is it? What's the noun for that? radiation Uh, nuclear radiation yes Mm -hmm. the fact that he lives off of radio what did you just say nuclear radiation oh my god nuclear radiation so then he's also got his ability to regenerate like a starfish yes or a lizard i guess so Uh, oh well yes like a lizard with their tails but not all lizards grow their tails back oh okay well like one of the ones that does yes (laughs) um he's also got immense physical strength and muscularity he uses his huge tail to attack and knock things and people over and i imagine just the tail sheer whip. force of the wind too is probably crazy he can breathe underwater which you would, i think is kind of a given because comes from underwater exactly yeah. um in various films, television shows, comics, all the things that you had mentioned earlier, they've depicted Godzilla with additional powers. So he's got atomic pulse, which I imagine is something some kind of like a mini one maybe. Yeah, or something that he can just give off. He has magnetism, precognition so he can what? predict. <laughs> I I guess he can predict when That's not fair. You know like if somebody's attack, if something's attacking you from behind, he can turn around real fast before it gets to him because uh-huh. he, he can tell it's coming. Like Spidey, Spidey, he gets Spidey sense. He's got Spidey Uh Fireballs, which I think kind of goes hand in hand with the, the atomic breath a little yeah. bit. Um, and Electric Bite, which I think is really cool. That sounds like a Pokemon move. It does. <laughs> it really does. But I think it is a, a Pokemon. I think it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he's a giant Pokemon. Um, superhuman Speed, which I don't know if we're talking about like fast for his Size or just I mean, fast. he's so big, obviously. Because if you're running fast. next to him, yeah, and he's taking one step, he'd get there faster, maybe. Uh, eye beams. So I guess like a atomic breath, but it comes out of his eyes. Or That's something. another thing that seems not fair. You can't start giving him like Superman powers. <laughs> and well, and then they said it, <laughs> and even flight in some. What? Which is funny <laughs> to me because I imagine just giant Godzilla just like floating up in the air. Wee! and just, just <laughs> this giant fat dino thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is that all the abilities? I think Sethers so. got probably. So, do we think he's good or bad? I think he is kind of neutral. The recent movie that I watched, um, the scientist that was like a Godzilla f- expert was saying he keeps the balance. So, like, these other two giant monsters appeared and started wreaking havoc, and so Godzilla came to fight those two monsters because it was unbalanced, and so he had to maintain the balance. That was the 2014 movie, right? Yeah. But he doesn't care if he's like destroying a bunch of buildings and killing people. He's just doing his job and whatever. And then he goes back away. Yeah, they were upsetting the peace. So yeah. chaotic neutral. So we. Yeah, chaotic neutral. I think that that's what <laughs> I would say too. And throughout all the movies, his allegiance and his motivations have changed. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't like humans apparently, which I guess makes sense. I can't blame him. We always try to kill him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I mean, we haven't ever tried to hear his side of the story. That's. True. He will fight alongside humanity against common threats. Um, he does, however, make no special effort to protect human life. Um, <laughs> he doesn't care about property, and he will turn against human allies on a whim if he feels like he wants to. Um, Sounds about right. He is not motivated to attack by predatory instinct, because he doesn't eat people. Thrives on radiation. Oh, if in- when inquired if Godzilla was good or bad, the producer, Shogo Tomiyama, likened it to a Shinto god of destruction, so that means that he lacks moral agency and cannot be held to human standards of good and evil. He totally destroys everything, and then there is a rebirth. Something new and fresh can begin. Kind of like a phoenix. That's kind of beautiful, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in preparation for this podcast, because I am very responsible, I watched both the original 1954 Ishirohondo Godzilla, First Origin of the Creature, and then I also watched the 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla that was made for an American audience. Because I thought it would be really interesting to see how it changed from that first one that was like very like Japanese culture to that more recent one that was very Americanized and also Godzilla had already been established as a character for, like, 50 years. I really liked it, but it doesn't have very good reviews. I liked it, too, and, yeah, I had seen it when it came out, but that was, like, three years ago, so I didn't remember. Did you see it in, you saw it in theaters, right? I saw it in theaters. Did we, we didn't see it together, did we? I don't think so. Because I remember seeing it in theaters, and I must have seen it with Jordan. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it, because it was just, like, visually really stunning, and I just thought it was an interesting, kind of different take on a movie, because, and I'll get into this a little bit when I'm talking about, like, the themes of the movie, but a 2014 one is interesting because you've got, like, your main character and all your human characters. And they're sort of trying to fight this monster, but nothing they're doing has any impact whatsoever on the monsters. Yeah. And they're just kind of doing their own thing, and the humans are just <laughs> sort of trying to, like... And then they keep trying, and nothing's Yeah, working. they keep trying, and their plans, like, cause more problems, and then they're just, like, trying to... It's a metaphor. yeah. I think it is a metaphor, but yeah, it's just very interesting for a movie to have your heroes be, like, completely ineffective. (laughs) I like it. I also really like, what's his name, Aaron Johnson? Is that what his name is? The main character in that movie? Yeah. I have no idea what his name is. He's nice looking, I like his face. Okay, but yeah, I just, I sort of took notes as I was watching those movies, and I thought it would be interesting to sort of go through and talk about, like, what was in them, and then sort of compare how they changed. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, so first I watched the original one, and as we were talking about earlier, it was much more of a serious movie than I was expecting, especially in the parts that didn't have giant smashing monsters. So first, Godzilla starts attacking fishing ships in the ocean, and they don't really know what's happening, and then he attacks, like, a seaside village, and people think it was a storm because it happened during a storm, but, like, a couple people saw, like, no, there's something alive, or whatever, and people were sort of ignoring this. Uh, eyewitness accounts, but a paleontologist testifies, and he references that people have found footprints of a, quote, snowman in the Himalayas, and says that there are sealed caverns deep in the ocean where who knows what's in them when they were, when he was saying that they should give credence to the reports. He's a believer in the Yeti yeah. and other supernatural phenomena. to say, that's like a Yeti reference right there for totally sure. Totally Yeti. <laughs> or the Bumble. The, uh, the Bumble. Bumble. <laughs> my affair with you, why couldn't I think of that? Okay, and so after studying it, they found in one of the footprint there was a trilobite. Looks like a like a big shrimp, basically with a bunch oh, of legs yeah, and like yeah. But yeah, so a trilobite that's supposed to be have been extinct like two million years ago, but it was like alive and it was in the footprint because it got stuck to its little foot, <laughs> Or so its cute. big foot. And so they discovered that this creature was radioactive first of all, and it was. Who from, radioactive before they even discovered him. Yeah, it was radioactive. Their theory was because of the H-bomb that forced it to the surface. Hmm. So, I think in the original one, he did not generate his own radioactivity. It could just survive it. Okay, but yes. maybe absorbed it? Yeah, probably. And developed probably. a plasma gland? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and they said it was from two million years ago. Which doesn't sound long enough, because they were saying from the Cretaceous period... Which was way longer ago than two million years, right? I can barely do just like American history, let alone dinosaur <laughs> history. I don't know. Two and million is what years. They said. I can't fathom those, <laughs> those numbers at all. Uh, oh, this was a great quote from the professor, too. Godzilla was baptized in the fire of the H bomb and survived. What could kill it now? Isn't oh, that dramatic? Wow. Oh my gosh. Baptized in the fire of the H bomb. And the professor in this movie was the character that um, didn't want them to just kill Godzilla he wanted to study Godzilla because Godzilla hadn't been affected by the radiation and so he was like we should study this creature to see how to withstand radiation but is is it one of those where he really wants to do good for everybody or he's one of those crazy scientists that's blinded by his his like fervor for knowledge and learning things that he doesn't care that he he doesn't realize that people are becoming hurt he was destroyed. definitely a Things little are bit destroyed. that way because he was still team research after Hundreds this of huge like die. attack of the monster. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it team caused research. problems <laughs> on the team. Okay, because it was so. There's this obvious plot with Godzilla, but there's also this weird side plot that the movie had where it was the professor's daughter, uh, Emiko, and then she had this boyfriend that was a ship captain. But then she was supposed to get married to this mad scientist eye patch dude. Ooh. And it was very confusing, because they didn't really clarify what was going on for a while, and it was just this subplot that was just kind of there, but it was sort of cute. <laughs> but uh, eye patch guy was Dr. Sarazawa, and he had been just, like, independently and randomly working on this weird super weapon thing, where if you drop it into water... It destroys all the oxygen in the water, and then for some reason, the fish in the water just like instantly turn into skeletons, which I'm not <laughs> sure why that would happen if there wasn't any oxygen. That sounds dangerous for the yes. ecosystem. It definitely seems bad, but he called it the Oxygen Destroyer, and, oh, the... <laughs> which <laughs> is a very good name. Right. Yeah. And, what does it do? <laughs> and he wanted to keep it a secret because he knew that it could be used for evil and as a weapon. And so he insisted that nobody knew about it and so only his fiance the professor's daughter knew about it. But then she had a boyfriend on the side. She did. <laughs> but it sounded it was like an arranged engagement and she was like I've always thought of him as like an older brother and Ew. he was like the colleague of her dad's so I don't know. I don't think she liked him very much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was a nice guy though and very smart and created the oxygen destroyer. Sounds super nice. Yes, so in the midst of all of this, Godzilla was rampaging and destroying everything, and oh, I made a note that his, um, atomic breath in that first movie was interesting because it looked like steam coming out of Godzilla's mouth, but then whatever it hit would burst into flames. So it wasn't fire breath, but it was, I guess, so hot that it made stuff catch on fire? And it wasn't like a radioactive fog, it was just straight up heat. It maybe was supposed to be radioactive fog? It just looked like steam, though. Okay. okay. Um, and okay. it did do the thing one time where it's, what were they, scutes? Scutes, yeah. Where it's skutes lit up. Oh, <laughs> and then it nice. did a really big one. And that was Very nice. cool. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, so he's burninating the village. So Emiko d- convinces iPatch to use the oxygen destroyer. And he's like, okay, but this is the only time it can ever be used. So he destroys all of his research. And they go out on the boat to release the oxygen destroyer in the water. So they have to actually yeah. find Godzilla, so they use a Geiger counter, and okay. they get the boat, and then they jump in with, like, diving suits, because they want to release it underwater. Oh, so. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just well, they've <laughs> got to get really close, and it's, like, the 50s-style diving suits, which Ooh, are hot, really so, yeah, ones. they, like, the metal bells on the head, yeah. like, maybe six-inch diameter window that they can see out of, which sounds terrifying, so they're just, like, walking around on the bottom of the ocean looking for Godzilla, <laughs> and they find him. And so, Sarazawa releases the oxygen destroyer, and the other guy goes up to the surface. And then, Sarazawa cuts his own lines because, as long as he's alive, other people could use the secrets of the oxygen destroyer as a weapon again. And so, he sacrifices himself. And then, Godzilla is dead. They (gasps) actually kill Godzilla. Wow. Yeah. With the oxygen destroyer. Did he turn into a giant skeleton? He did. It was very dramatic, just in, like, a second. It was great. Oh, wow. Are his bones, like, super, super big? They were very large. Oh, and I also were- Okay, so what they tried before the oxygen destroyer was obviously guns. Not very effective. They also tried to, like, reroute all of the, like, electric power and, like, shock it. And that was also not very effective. And he just used his fire breath and melted the towers because it made him mad. And then tanks- were sort of effective. Poor Godzilla. Godzilla looked kind of annoyed by the tank, and then planes chased Godzilla away, and that gave them enough time to go and get the oxygen destroyer. Is it like a machine, or was it like a- It was like a- I think it was supposed to be like a substance. It was encased in this, like, giant metal ball, and then when the ball hit the water, it started to fizz and stuff, or- Yeah, basically, and like, a bunch of bubble. bubbles, and then- Skeletons. <laughs> Bunch of bubbles and skeletons. Bubbles and then skeletons. Okay. Yeah. So Sarazawa in this movie was like the big hero because he was this like noble scientist who had invented this thing but was so concerned that people might use it as a weapon that he just refused to let it be used unless it like really had to, so and he then sacrificed his the own end. life. He was a good guy, even Aww. though he was a mad scientist with an eye patch. Well, then, hey, then it was her face. Didn't have to marry him, and she can marry her true love. Exactly. He wished them both happiness oh. before he went in and died. Oh wow, I love yeah. that. That's a good subplot. That's <laughs> super it was. Intense. It was very heartwarming. What I've cried? I <laughs> cried, but not at that. I cried at like the dying people. That too. in the context of like this is too real um (laughs) because it was a lot but yeah so that was the basic plot of it and how they killed godzilla so godzilla is vulnerable to oxygen destroyer but the formula for oxygen destroyer perished with dr sarazawa in 1954 but that doesn't make any sense don't question it too much (laughs) all right i won't i won't but the new movie i see in the new movie was presented like uh and this, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, it was presented mm-hmm. like another Godzilla movie, but it really was like a Godzilla versus, like, Moth, right? Uh-huh, versus yeah. Mothra versus... It was Godzilla versus other monsters. And it was actually very good. Well, I guess, let's see, did I have anything on the first one? Oh, yeah, okay, I was... To wrap up the original movie summary, uh, the professor's last line was, I don't believe that Godzilla was the last of its species. If nuclear testing continues, someday, somewhere in the world, another Godzilla may appear. So that is like a a metaphor in itself. Yeah. Another Godzilla, not necessarily talking about Godzilla, but in the. Another big problem. Nuclear testing causes problems. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was obviously Godzilla was a metaphor for nuclear attacks. And it was very obvious because it comes out of nowhere and it's huge and unstoppable and we can't do anything about it and just causes this devastation and lasting effects. So that was very effective, but then also they had the subplot of the guy with the, like, I refuse to use this as a weapon side-eye at, uh... Nuclear weapons and Yeah, Israel. like, people who develop oh, the atomic really bomb. that's really deep. Yeah. And also, there was some A-plus scared acting. There was this one kid that was in it who was 100% hired on the basis that he was real good at screaming. Oh, wow, <laughs> really? Yeah. The girl also did some very dramatic screams and, like, fainting and all the time. In the Godzilla (laughs) I watched, there were a lot of the, when they panned over on the people, the people had to show their expressions, but if they were like trapped somewhere, they couldn't move and so it was just this fear on this guy's face, but he for Could a very long time because it oh, was gosh. like he was like in this the frame but it was really trying to focus on the main character the woman that was the main character and she's like crying and like oh no and then he's just sounds so has, uncomfortable he's he just like just has, frozen and he scared. just has fear on his face for a oh, good no. like you know four minutes or something and it's kind of good it's really it's pretty good. impressive a <laughs> plus backgrounds okay but yeah and then the 2014 movie was not just godzilla even though i don't think that they um advertised this. Yeah, Do you remember? I don't think they did either. Cuz I think it was a surprise and they did it pretty well actually because the first thing was that they discovered in like a mining situation they had dug into this deep cavern and found bones of a Godzilla creature and then also some weird like egg sac things. And one had been broken out of, and there was like a path leading to the ocean cool. out of the cave. So you're like, oh my gosh, baby Godzilla. And then that's later... That's right. Plot twist, right? Well, not yet. <laughs> but but later there was one. Later plot that's twist. Our, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back. Yeah, now. so you think baby Godzilla had like burrowed out into the ocean. And then later, there's a nuclear plant in Japan that's attacked by something, and it gets destroyed, and they have to cordon off the whole area because radioactivity. And then you come back to it 15 years later and come to find out there's been this creature that cocooned itself inside of it because it was drawn to the radiation and that's why it attacked the nuclear power plant. And then it just sort of like cocooned for 15 years and then it's starting to break out now. And so you're like all ready for like, oh gosh, Godzilla, Godzilla's coming out of this cocoon thing for some reason. And then it breaks out and it's this other thing and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? I thought it was good. Yeah, it was very well done. And I remembered little enough about the movie that was still kind of like, oh, yeah, and And it was fun. Cool. (laughs) I appreciated the surprise. Yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch it now. It was, I still have the rental for another 48 hours. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, so, and that creature emerges, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Mothra, because it looks like a giant moth. But they never call it that. They call it a muto, M-U-T-O, Massive Unidentified Terrestrial Organism. So, hmm. yes, that's the Muto. But essentially a giant moth. Yeah, basically giant moth. It's got wings. It's got, like, this really cool, like, flat head and, like, pointy and really long arms. It kind of reminds me of one of those monsters that was in the arena in Episode 2 of Star Wars that made the, like, uh, screeching sound yeah. and had the, like, sharp, pointy things. <laughs> I like the movement that you're doing there. <laughs> do, you know, it, like, know stabs exactly with its legs and the, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so there's this scientist who they actually named Dr. Sarazawa. Really? Yes, which is the same name as the guy in the original, which I obviously had never caught before. Good on ya, Gareth, I guess.
1: The director <laughs> Whoever decided to do that. that yeah.
0: He's like the Godzilla expert guy, and... He's the one that's played by, uh, what's his face, right? The dad of this, the guy that's the main character? No, not Brian Cranston. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the other guy, um, I forget his name, he's been in a lot of stuff. But anyways, it's okay. this is scientist. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And he's a Godzilla expert. And so he keeps on telling people, or like, he's looking forward to the fact that, okay, this creature is out. Godzilla's gonna come for this creature because Godzilla brings balance to the world. And, uh, he's right. So Godzilla eventually comes to attack the Muto, but then come to find out there's another Muto also. So there's two of them and they converge on San Francisco and start wreaking havoc. And then also Godzilla is there. <laughs> And it's and then great. also Godzilla's there. <laughs> yeah, I, it's awesome. I remember it. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And it's heartwarming because then you don't you don't feel bad for you don't yeah. dislike you don't dislike Godzilla. I like Godzilla and I like being able to root for Godzilla. I do too. So Godzilla was definitely not good necessarily, but like a net positive for our we had common goals in this movie with Godzilla. So that one scientist, Dr. Serizawa, kept on insisting that, like, let's just let Godzilla do Godzilla and get rid of these two monsters. But the military was like, okay, no, we've got this plan, we're gonna, like, nuke them, Ugh. and they're gonna be drawn to the radiation. And the scientist was like, uh, they eat radiation, you idiots. Ugh. But they insisted. They don't even know. <laughs> (laughs) Why don't they listen to the scientists? Right? Listen to the scientists. They know what they're talking about. They do. This is their life's work, but they've got to shoot at something. I guess so. But yeah, so the entire, like, second half of the movie's plot was our protagonist. He's in the military, and he's in on this plan with the nuke and everything, and so basically his whole journey is like, oh, this isn't going to work. Shoot, we messed it up. Shoot, they took it to the city, and now it's going to blow up in the city. Shoot, we've got to get this (laughs) back. We've got to disarm it. We can't. Oh, no. Kind of stressful. Yeah, basically his entire journey is like oh we shouldn't have done anything we should have just let Godzilla do Godzilla because nothing they do affects what the monsters Didn't do. Didn't they learn that from the first movie? <laughs> yeah, you don't do anything. Although it's the first movie, they had to do something. But I like that. Then it's one of the another kind of metaphor where those things are out of our hands, which I guess you already touched on, yeah, but I definitely is. feel like the theme of the more recent one, rather than being about, you know, like, nuclear war or anything, it seemed like the theme of this was the hubris of man and that sort of thing. We unbalanced the world, and so the forces of nature, i.e. Godzilla, have to come and rebalance what humans messed up. There's no use fighting it, because it's like, it really was when you're watching it too it's like silly to see people like shooting at these monsters because it's doing nothing and it's the same thing as like trying to nuke a hurricane (laughs) right so it really is like the forces of nature I do love that. I think yeah. one of the underlying themes of the movie that I watched was that we should listen to women more because essentially yeah. it, was this, it was this woman reporter and she kept saying we're gonna make a story out of this. There's something going on. Godzilla's coming. There's something happening and nobody wanted to listen to her. Nobody wanted her to make it a, a real thing. And then at the end, and you saw that last five minutes of the movie where they were like we're gonna make a story out make of a this. story out of this and win all the awards. We should because and then they were all worried that she had died and when they found out that she had lived, they were all super stoked and they were like, we should have listened to her in the first place. Nice. Because she knew all along. <laughs> That's the classic recurring character. There's always gotta be somebody that fills that role in a Godzilla movies who's like, this is coming and it's bad and it's Godzilla and you have to believe me and everybody else is like, you crazy. Yeah. Because there one... was like an old guy in the village who was talking about Godzilla in the first one and how they used to like sacrifice young girls to Godzilla way back when. They don't do that anymore. Yeah. But Godzilla's coming and then Brian Cranston in the new one was the crazy guy who was like, this No, it wasn't an earthquake that caused the nuclear plant's destruction. It was something that was alive. Yeah. Well, are those all your comparisons? You have more comparisons? Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to mention that they did include a little nod to the original anti-nuclear sentiments, because Dr. Sarazawa the new Dr. Sarazawa's father was at Hiroshima, and so when he's objecting to their nuke plan, he, like, shows the military guy his father's watch that was stopped at eight fifteen on april yeah. whatever 1945 and was like yeah don't do this mm. and he was like yeah we're gonna <laughs> that's cool that's cool to have that piece so there was yeah there was a, le- a little a bit battery of battery in it yeah, but it wasn't cool. really like a theme let's see and then i had a note that says godzilla gets hurt at one point and it is sad and then it th- and then my last note was godzilla lives And then there was a caption on the news footage that said, King of the monsters, savior of our city, as he walked back into the sea and swam away. Yay, Godzilla. Go back home, Godzilla. Rest (laughs) easy. Yes. Sweet, gentle beast. Well done. (laughs) Sweet, giant beast. I wouldn't call him gentle. So, would you want to be friends? Would I want to be friends with Godzilla? Well, I I wouldn't want to be enemies with Godzilla. (laughs) I would not want to be enemies with Godzilla either. (laughs) I think I would like for Godzilla to be my friend and as much he would avoid anywhere near where I was... Forever. That would be good. I think it'd be cool <laughs> if I was getting attacked by Mothra and then best bud Godzilla oh, comes true. in and saves the day and then I ride off into the sunset into the ocean with him. But then he stays that does sound above good. the water enough to where I don't drown. You could just ride on one of his sc- scutes. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. I'd want to be friends, but I also would not want to be friends. I would like to be friends with Godzilla more than I would like to be friends with any of the other monsters that Godzilla fights. Agreed. Yes. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> Godzilla is a friend to all but also kills a lot of people. Yes, I would be afraid that he'd <laughs> accidentally squish me. Yeah. Doesn't have a lot of spatial awareness. <laughs> probably probably not. And apparently doesn't care for humans very much. Um, do we believe... Do we believe in Godzilla? They found the footprints of a snowman in the Himalayas. There are deep underwater sealed caverns. Who knows what's in them? It may not be no. the Godzilla that's been portrayed in the movies, yeah. because we know that's not really possible as far as how biologically sound that is but maybe there is some kind of creature that lives down there there could be and we'll only find out if we really mess up the world too much and godzilla needs to come and restore balance i think so mm-hmm. so i guess possible we're gonna hang that yeah. one up don't on a live too close to the shore <laughs> 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 and you'll be fine <laughs> definitely don't live in tokyo or i guess san francisco he likes destroying tokyo a mm. lot <laughs> yeah all right yay godzilla Okay, so that's our show. Um, we are part of the Not Safe for Work podcast network. That's the NSFW podcast network, but no e on the safe. So be sure. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not too confusing. <laughs> they get it. You can find I'm us too. at Nessie on Twitter. And if you have any listener questions, uh, whatever it may be, whether you're asking us, would we rather, or if you're asking who would win, something we missed, anything like that, you can email us. At wonesypod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Pod is short for podcast, in case you weren't <laughs> sure. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts at, um, our NSFW network feed is where we're at currently oh no 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 we have our individual feed too now did it really yes Ah! i'm subscribed to it i'll have to do that (laughs) i'm really stoked about that yeah so the nsfw feed has all of the shows on the network so if you want to listen to all of us there's like queerly there and the lasso and the intergalactic express and us all have episodes up already um so if you want if you're just automatically going to listen to all of them you can subscribe just to that one or you can subscribe to our individual feeds so we've got one that's just wonessy beautiful artwork done by amelia herself yes it's very cute and the pretty blue color is really pretty <laughs> so pretty <laughs> please take a minute so rate review subscribe uh it'll really help us out mm-hmm. uh if you help like other us, people find our yeah. wonderful ramblings and i did mention this i'll come up with an instagram we'll start posting some pics yay we'll tell you what that is next time yay oh speaking of next time next time on Wo nessie we're gonna do a jackalope jackalopes i screamed that into the mic i'm really sorry <laughs> it's one of my favorites i'm yeah. pretty stoked about it so. well we live in like uh southwest which i feel like is probably jackalope central yes yeah we get i mean we see them everywhere this is our culture yes <laughs> we'll we'll go into more details next week so look forward to that uh we'll see you next time and yeah have a great week bye stay safe don't get eaten by Godzilla make a reference to Trogdor the Burninator? Maybe. Of <laughs> <laughs> the people in their thatched roof just <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it in so long. Uh, <sighs> consummate peace.